0: I want to just share a message with you this morning. I felt that, that what we needed to do this morning is to celebrate communion in a way that would bring a breakthrough. Is that okay? I want to just talk about, and I've mentioned it before, the power of remembrance. So let's just go to 2 Peter chapter 1, and we're going to read verses 5 to nearly verse 10. This is what it says. And beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith. Now, when you got born again, you got born again because of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. You heard the message of salvation, and you believed it. Amen? So, we need to add to our faith. In other words, what Peter's encouraging us to do is to grow as Christians. So, he says, to add to your faith virtue, to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, to temperance patience, to patience godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, charity, or love. So all of these are elements that the Apostle Paul is saying you need to add to your faith. You need to be growing as a Christian in these areas. And he says, For if these things be in you and abound in you, listen to what he says, They make you that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, there are many Christians that you've met that confess Christianity with their mouths, but they are barren and unfruitful as far as the life of a Christian is concerned. And so, you know, we don't judge them, but what we've got to make sure is that that's not the case in our lives. Is that okay? So it's one of the drives in ACF. It's one of my things that motivate me to preach and teach the Word strongly. But verse 9, He that lacketh these things what things, all the things that he listed above. If you lack these things, there's a high probability, Peter says, that you are blind and cannot see afar off. In other words, you don't have much discernment. So the apostle says this, and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. You've forgotten. It's good to remind ourselves every now and then. I don't know if... um, You ever experience it? I experience it, sadly, as your pastor, is I've been saved for a long time. According to Bev, I got born again near the time of Noah. But according to me, it was like about 15 years ago. But, you know, it's just a matter of perspective. But we can forget that we were cleansed of our past sins because sometimes trigger responses can get us doing something that we kind of thought we had gotten over and worked through. Amen? So we need to remind ourselves, in other words, and that reminder is a powerful thing that I've been cleansed of my past sins. It's been removed from me as far as the east is from the west, and the way that God looks at me, he declares me the righteousness, his own righteousness, the righteousness of God in Christ. Is that okay? So if that's in my remembrance and it's in my memory and I continually visit the effects of the cross and what Jesus did for me, it will ensure growth and put me in a place where I can then add to my faith all of these things, virtue, etc. So in keeping with not forgetting and remembering, the Bible tells us or we subtract or take out of the Bible two sacraments in churches. And so it's in our statement of faith. We live in two sacraments. And the first is the Eucharist or the Lord's Supper or communion. The second is water baptism. Tangible physical things, a little bit of a ceremony almost that communicate the grace of God. And Jesus instituted on the night he was betrayed and he said, we need to do this whenever we together to remember the work of the cross. And so it becomes A little bit of a a sort of a memorial service at the same time. And so those two things we need to keep doing. It's amazing. St. Augustine said this about the sacraments. It's a visible form of invisible grace. They both signify grace by likeness and enable it for us by divine connection, like a bridge over the gap between us and God. And so they become bridges where we connect with God. Peter Lombard, writing many centuries ago, said the sacraments bear the image or likeness of the grace that it signifies and causes. They signify grace, but they also sanctify us to grace. Okay, it's technical, but I just wanted to mention it. So we need to remember both. When we approach both, we need to remember. We need to remember what Jesus did for us on the cross in communion, and in water baptism. There's extensive teaching, but I can't go to it. But Romans chapter 6, Paul shows us, and other passages, that when we put faith in Jesus, and then it's acted out in water baptism, but it's not just acted out. There's a real partaking of grace from God, where he says that we came into union with Christ when he both died, and was buried, and then he was raised to life again. And Paul tells us, just like We were planted into the likeness of his death, so we've become planted into the likeness of his resurrected life. And if we take it further, Paul says that Jesus rose from the dead never to die again. And we could basically, they say the same thing, and also we can add the never to sin again. It's very interesting, the whole thing with baptism. And so we need to both approach with stirred up memories, as far as the crucifixion is concerned. Now, it was amazingly foreshadowed in the Old Testament when God brought the Israelites out of Egypt. It says they were baptized into Moses, both in the cloud and in the sea. In other words, they were under the cloud when they went down into the seabed of the sea Through the towering waters, that came up out of the other side, under the cloud. And so they were baptized into the teaching of Moses, the doctrine of Moses, the life of Moses. So they passed through the water, and the waters closed, and it destroyed the armies of Pharaoh. And so in Exodus 12 and onwards, the Bible is showing us that when we are baptized, we die to the old life. Because the Israelites, once they'd crossed over, God didn't open the sea again so they could go back to Egypt. They kept complaining and saying, we wish we could go back. But there was no route back. God was not going to open the sea. So, in other words, they were cut off from the world. But not only that, the enemies that are in the world, Pharaoh and his armies represent the devil and demons and our old life, the flesh. That was buried in the sea. But then they were also under the cloud. So they were baptized, you know, symbolically, they were baptized in the Holy Spirit. And so that becomes symbolism for us, but we have to invoke our memories, yeah. remember. Now, God had an issue, the Israelites, many, many times, Psalm 77, 78, 106, much of those Psalms were dedicated to this, remember what I did for you, yeah. but you forgot, Remember what I did. I think if they had possibly reminded themselves and remembered what God had done, maybe they would not have turned away from Him as often as they did. Yeah. And so Psalm 77 says this in verse 11 and 12, "I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your miracles of long ago. I will consider all your works and meditate on all your mighty deeds." So it's not just a casual reflection, it's an active remembrance of what he's done. Everybody say, I remember. So, Psalm 78 verse 42 said, God speaking to them says, they did not remember my power the day I redeemed them from the oppressor. Now, it's important for us to remember. This morning, I want us to remember for two reasons. Not only because of water baptism, but because of the application of the communion this morning. So, I want to make it practical. This is going to be our miracle pool this morning. Is that okay? And so Jesus told us to take communion in remembrance of him. So if we just quickly read through 1 Corinthians 11, verses 23 to 31. Just listen. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. The same way after supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. So it's great we can take and say, Lord, I remember you. And um, without even really remembering. So it's important for us to consider everything that was accomplished by Jesus, by his crucifixion, by his death, By his resurrection, by his ascension, what did he do for us? For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So what we do when we take it, we need to be proclaiming his death. So we need to be reminding ourselves, Lord, you forgave me all of my sins, all my unrighteousness. Those same stripes that washed away my sin also cleansed me from every manner, every type of sickness and disease. I remember that it's written about you that your stripes healed me. And we need to remember that. We need to remember the fact that his resurrection speaks to the fact that we can live in resurrected, victorious, and triumphant life. We need to remind ourselves, and we're going to do that this morning. And so... Paul puts this in, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. In essence, what he's basically saying is if you don't take it by faith, you won't receive the benefits. So it'll be the same as if you're an unbeliever. But communion is for believers, amen? And so, in other words, Paul is encouraging us to take the communion in a manner worthy Now, a lot of people for many years thought, well, I don't want to take the, I'm unworthy because they blew it, they shouted at the boss, you know, they slapped their wives. They didn't see their wives for three weeks. They had to wait for their swelling to go down because the wife hid back. And and so on and so forth. Then you think, yes, we need to say sorry. But the thing is, if personal sin disqualified you from taking communion, none of us can because none of us have reached perfection yet. You know what I'm saying? And so communion is put into the church for two reasons. For us to come and sanctify ourselves afresh. Number one, and to remind ourselves of the healing, of the victory, of the overcoming life that is ours through Christ. And that is so important. So everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink of the cup. Not like this, oh Jesus, I've sinned, I'm so sinful. Listen, because you don't know half this stuff. You know what I mean? You know, we all think of the things we did. You know, God also looks at the things you haven't done that you should do. You understand what I'm saying? So it's not, and yes, yes, if you've done something and you're conscious of it, you say sorry, but you don't disqualify yourself. For that reason, you do take communion. All right? And so Paul is encouraging us to enter into the benefits of the cross, the benefits of communion. For those who eat and drink without discerning, that this is the body of Christ, entering judgment on themselves. In other words, you remain in your lack of victory, you remain in your lack of healing, you remain in your sin. But that's not the way to do it. Approach it with faith, like you did when you got saved. Approach it with that knowledge and come to the Lord and say, Hey Lord, there's healing for me. Yeah. Is that okay? I was speaking to you and I mentioned it the other day. I spoke to Kevin and Rosemary Sandbrook the other day. That's the couple in Belfast in Ireland. And um, I was speaking about communion that night, but I just got a little bit of a fresh revelation about communion. And I was talking about the fact of Christ is in the communion and the fact that the cross was the judgment seat of Christ. And so we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, the cross, because we will give an account basically for what Jesus did. So whether we accept Christ or reject Christ, so then it becomes the judgment seat, becomes the great divide. You understand what I'm saying? And so then I brought it across to communion, and I was saying all of the benefits that is in the body of the Lord Jesus Christ is present in communion. Let me say that again. All the benefits that is in the body and the life of Jesus Christ is in the communion. That's why on the night before he died, he said, This is, this bread, this is my body. Now, we don't believe like the Catholics do that somehow miraculously it turns literally into the body of Christ. But by the same token, we don't believe like the Pentecostal Jew that it's just a symbol. Because there's something more in it. It's a means of grace. We can participate in in forgiveness of sin, in victory, in healing, in prosperity. Everything that is in Christ is in the communion. And that meeting I spoke about, Christ is in the communion. Yeah, what a meeting. And so I think, I can't remember if it was Kevin Rosemary, Rosemary's daughter, but anyway, this atheistic boyfriend was hanging around, a bit older than the daughter. And so they invited him to come to the service, and I think they thought maybe it would be a tame service, you know, and uh, they didn't know what I was preaching on. And so he came more out of, you know, oh, well, let me go and, you know, kind of, satisfy them and things like this. And and so I preached fearlessly on Christ in the communion. And I started sort of saying, everybody come up I got another pass from another church in the city of Belfast to serve the other one. Once the power of God fell, you should have seen him. I mean, he was on fire. He was like an animal. You couldn't hold him back. So the people were queuing up, and this is the body of Jesus Christ. And as we were putting the bread in people's mouths, the power of God was eating them. Bang, down they would go on the floor. People were being touched and healed and all sorts of things. Then we would wait for a while. Two ushers pick them up. This is the blood of Jesus Christ, bang, on the floor. And we had a powerful time. And I remember looking across, and there was Kevin, and he was talking to this guy. And then I see they're praying together. So he finds me somewhere in the pile of bodies, because I'm ministering and everything. And he comes and says, this guy's just given his life to Jesus. Would you come and pray for him? It's the atheist. He got saved in communion. doesn't believe in Jesus. He's an atheist, you know? You know those people? Those people who are just building their testimonies for when they do get saved. I once was an atheist. (laughs) And so I just walked right up to him. I didn't know that he was an atheist, but I walked right up to him and I just said, you need the Holy Spirit. Have you heard of the Holy Spirit? He's good. He's from God. Receive the Holy Ghost. This atheist, newly born again, hands in there, just praying in tongues. And when I spoke to Kevin and Rosemary the other night, they said, you know, as usual, when you come to us, there's always bodies everywhere on the floor, there's holy chaos, but there's a God order. And they said, that man who was the atheist, gave his life to Jesus that night, is now my co pastor. I mean, that's powerful. So, all the power that is in Christ is in the communion. Come on, church. I want to drive this point in the few minutes that I've got because it's important for us as we come and take communion this morning. So this word remember is an act, if we look it up in the Greek, it's an act of reminding and meditation. It means to meditate on, mull over, recollect, and review. Now that's more than just going, you know, Jesus died for my and Thank you, Jesus. And I think this morning, I want to give us a little bit of time to approach the elements of the bread and the cup with the juice in it from a particular angle of remembering. And So Jesus encourages us to do this in memory of him. In Luke 22, verse 19, I'm just repeating what we read in 1 Corinthians 11. And this was the actual night Luke records it. He took the bread, gave thanks, break it, and gave it unto them, saying, This is my body which is given for you. This do in remembrance of me. So the Greek word for remembrance is anamnesco and um, it's i'm taking this from a root word of remembrance and it reveals how his death burial and resurrection be commemorated so to meditate on to mull over to recollect and review the historical incidences of your death burial and resurrection in order to strengthen our faith but there's something else And I want to bring that out this morning that is wrapped up in the whole process of remembrance. And I want to tie it together for us now. Psalm 8 says, and it's quoted again in Hebrews 2. Psalm 8 says, what is man that you are mindful of him? Do you know that that word mindful is really interesting because it's, Very close to, what is man that you remember him? It's very close to the word that I mentioned. What is man that you meditate over him? Your thoughts mull over him. You recollect and review everything about him. So God does some memory searching when it comes to us. He doesn't just casually Think about John, you know. He doesn't just casually go, oh, you know, oh, Rocky. God, being who he is, is able to meditate over our lives. What is man that your mind is full of thoughts for him? And those thoughts are good thoughts. So what is man that your mind is full of good thoughts for them? Is that awesome? Put your name in there. What is your name? What is Francois? That God, your mind is full of good thoughts for Him. And so it means that by inference, that God remembers us. Now, more importantly, if we're doing something that God tells us to do, like for example, when God says, I want you to take communion, I want you to remember, I want you to be mindful of, I want you to meditate, mull over, review, consider what I did for you. How much more then will God not, at the same time, be considering us when we're considering Him? So in other words, God pays particular attention to the believer, especially at the time they partake of communion. Because He says, you're remembering me, I remember you. You're reminding yourself of me, let me remind myself of of you. Is there a biblical precedent for this, Pastor John? Can you just give us one verse? I'm so glad you asked. (laughs) Malachi chapter 3 verse 16. Malachi the prophet comes and amongst other things he's talking again. Now Malachi stands right at the end of the Old Testament. It's setting the scene for another prophet to come, John the Baptist. And in the line of all the Old Testament prophets who continuously warned the Israelites, don't sin, you'll go to exile. Don't sin, God will judge you. Don't sin, there'll be punishment. Don't sin, there'll be invasions. Don't sin, there'll be no blessing. Don't sin, there'll be no rain. They broke all of that, they went into exile. But now they're back from exile, and Malachi's writing, and basically they're doing the same things that they were doing before, that the previous prophets were warning them. And so the Old Testament closes, and he's coming and saying, listen, he's coming with the refiner's fire. And John the Baptist starts the New Testament saying, come on, the ax is already laid to the root of the tree. The winnowing fork is in his hand. The fire is already kindled. He's going to separate the wheat from the chaff. And so John comes hot on the heels of Malachi, but Malachi is reminding them of the fact that there is a possibility of another judgment coming, and then, but listen to what chapter three, verse six says. It's just this ray of light that just shines in. You know, it's not all bad news in Malachi, but there are sections. In other words, you know, for those of you who don't do that, you'll be all right. You know. So yes, Malachi three sixteen. Then they that feared the Lord spake to one another. I mean, this is incredible. So those. Who were God fearing spoke, they were considering the words of the prophet, and the Lord hearkened and heard it. What? Their conversation, their speech, their reflection, their contemplation, and a book of remembrance. The word remembrance there is the Hebrew word zikron, and was written before him for them that feared the Lord and that thought upon his name. So the angels were given a task to eavesdrop because they are around us. Is that okay? It's one of the reasons why Paul talks about being submissive to authority, wives being submissive to husbands. Paul also talks about living godly lives out of consideration of the angels who are present in our meetings. I'll do a teaching on it. Okay. But they're here. And so the angels then take record of and write in a book of remembrance which is kept in the presence of God, these are the ones who spoke about, who reflected, who remembered the rules, the laws, the principles of God, who took heed to the word of the prophet and was written down, recorded and laid up before God for God to remember. It's interesting that Paul tells us, um, it's either Thessalonians or the book of Timothy, it says, you know, the foundation of the Lord stands sure. And it says, he remembers those who are his. Is that okay? So this is just for those of you who maybe think that God has forgotten you. He remembers those who are his. He remembers you. Is that okay? And so I believe this sets the backdrop to communion, is the fact that God has a book of remembrance recorded for us in his presence, and I believe it's the key to communion. So very quickly, Zikron is a memorial, Zikran. So the book sits there as a memorial, something to provoke memory. Everybody with me? So here it goes. The first communion, the first Passover, was recorded in Exodus 12 when the children of Israel left Egypt. And they were to sacrifice a lamb, put the blood on the doorposts and the lintels, eat the lamb. So they had the lamb within, the blood over. So we have Christ within, his blood over our lives. The angel of death started in the Egyptian camp, but wherever he saw the blood, he passed over. In other words, no judgment. No judgment. So one of the very first things that God remembers when we come to communion is God remembers no judgment. Even though judgment begins at the house of God, he says, for the righteous, there is no negative judgment. Remember when the angels visited Abraham? The three, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the three angels, the three men, came to Abraham. So they first went to Abraham and Sarah, because judgment always begins at the house of God. So God went, and he says, you know, these are righteous. These are my prophets. So I need to share with them because I can't do anything without first speaking to my servants, the prophets. But here's your judgment. I'm coming back next year this time and Sarah will be pregnant and have a baby. So that's your judgment. Judgment can be positive. So the pronouncement from God was, well, blessing on the house. And then he moved on to Sodom and Gomorrah, but he found no righteousness there and we know what happened there. But the amazing thing is, God said to them, when he instituted the Feast of Unleavened Bread, straight after that Passover, he said this, this will be a memorial forever throughout all generations, Exodus 12, verse 14. In other words, when we remember God, God will remember us, and he will never forget. You know, it's very interesting that when Moses got a revelation of God, you know, God says a part of his nature, God is compassionate and Slow to anger and all these kinds of things. And he says he does punish sins. But for those who fear him, there's blessings for thousands upon thousands of generations. I mean, isn't that awesome? You know, throughout generations, God will not forget you. Throughout generations, maybe some of the blessing that's on you is because of a grandmother, grandfather, way down in your generational line that served and honored God, and he's visited unusual favor on you, exceptional grace, because God does not forget. Amen? A memorial throughout generations. Secondly, in Exodus 13, when he was still elaborating on it, he said, listen, I want you to write this down. You've got to remind your children. It needs to be memorial on your hand and then between your eyes. Everyone say between your eyes. And so, in other words, what God was saying is that I want it to be on the forefront of your mind. The frontal lobe of the brain is associated here when God says in front of your eyes. So, in other words, what the Jews were to do, write down on bits of paper what God did and put scriptures there and they would wear little leather boxes there and on their hands so they would always see it and it was a reminder to them to always remember. Is that Okay. And so he said, keep that memorial between the eyes. So for us, what it figures is keep it in that frontal lobe. The frontal lobe is that part of the brain that retains memories longer. Not only that, but it also retains the emotions that go along with the memory. Now, I mean, that can be a negative, but that's where when we go through trauma and tragedy, God heals the pain associated with the memories because you still always remember. But... What happens with good things is you can relive the experience because you can enter into that emotion again. Is that okay? That's the power of memory. And so God says, everything I've done, I want you to keep it between your eyes. Because I want you to remember. I want you to relive that incident now it's interesting that God spoke to the Israelites and he said when you stand up when you lay down when you get up, when you're walking on the road recount everything remind remember and tell it so that your children can understand it and they were supposed to do that for the next generation in other words keep the dynamic of what God has done fresh and alive in your memory it's amazing to me that the incident in 1994 when I was in Toronto, England, and God visited me so powerfully, and I, I was caught up in that caught up experience. If I sit down, or if I sit and speak to someone, and I'm able to share it with them as it happened to me, it's incredible how I relive that experience. So I met a Prophet Murray Newman from Australia, and we met at the airport And we were just talking, talking, and he just looked at me. I mean, he's extremely prophetic and just started speaking about you. You've had powerful encounters with the Lord. And and then uh, it was the right time, and I just began to share what happened in Toronto, Canada. And he he just looked at me and said, you're reliving that whole experience. He said, I can see the glory of God all over you. (laughs) Because I just started to relive it as I was sharing. He said to me, I want you to come to Australia. I need to stick you up in front of my whole region of pastors, and you need to share some of these things with them. It's a memorial between the eyes. Listen, you are not a number to God. The things that you go through, he's not untouched by those things. He's not unfeeling about it. He's touched by the feelings of our infirmities. You know, anything that God tells us to do, he does first. So what I'm trying to say is this. God has you not only on his mind, but between his eyes. You're in that frontal portion of his brain, of his mind. The joy when you were born. The joy when you were born again. The joy when you were baptized in the Holy Spirit. The joy over everything that you've done for him as you serve him and commit your life to him. There's an extreme joy. That's why the Bible tells us, that he will sing, he will agallio, he will leap into the air and spin vigorously with joy over us. So when he thinks of you, he thinks of you with powerfully good emotions. Number three, very often, well, in fact, every single time, once a memorial was recorded, it was always celebrated. And one of the things is that things often come up, before God as a memorial, often. In Acts chapter 10, we read about Cornelius, not even an Israelite, but he did what the Israelites were supposed to do. He prayed regularly. In fact, he prayed at three o'clock in the afternoon, which was the time of the evening sacrifice. And he gave gifts to the poor. So by nature, he was an Israelite. By his works, he was an Israelite before he became born again. And an angel comes and appears to him at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. Why 3 o'clock in the afternoon? Because that was the time of prayer. That's the time Peter and John went to go and pray. And they healed the lame man at the gate. Beautiful. And so the angel comes and says, Your gifts and your prayers have come up as a memorial before God. Now, I'm going to mention it just now, but you know when the Israelites crossed the Jordan River, God said to them, pick one man from each tribe, and when the priests have gone through, you make a memorial, take stones and pile it in a heap. So it's almost like what the angel is saying, every time you prayed, and every time you gave, God just stacked it up like a rock in his presence. And every time God turns around on the throne, yes, this thing, this memorial, and he's thinking about Cornelius. So when it comes time for the Holy Spirit to be poured on the Gentiles, who should I pour it out on? He has this memorial. And he goes, okay, I remember Cornelius. Why? Because he remembered to pray. He remembered God, and he remembered the poor. Yeah. And he said, it's a memorial. It's there. Yes. Yes. Amen. I want to tell you, there's piles of memorials that's got your name on it. Now I'm serious. This is a good place to say Amen. These piles of memorials, you know, sometimes you don't have to plead and beg God because what you've done will come up as a memorial before God. Even the things done in secret are not hidden from God. God just puts it there, puts it there. Is that okay? And he remembers. And so that's the the incredible thing about a memorial. It's enacted even after the incident. The fourth thing, even Jesus, our high priest, Taken from the model of the high priest. They wore a shoulder piece here with a stone, a shoulder piece there with a stone. Six names of Israel there, six names of Israel there, a breast piece. And four stones, four stones, four stones, twelve. The name of each tribe on the breast piece. In other words, the priest would go in carrying the sense of responsibility of the tribes of Israel on their shoulders. And then also over his heart he would go and represent him before God. Now Jesus, listen to this, ever lives to make intercession for you as our high priest. Right now, when Jesus ascended and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God in heaven, he sat down in order to signify that the work of the cross, the sacrifice for our sins was complete, but he immediately stood and assumed his heavenly ministry, which is he ever lives to make intercession for us. And so continually before God, If we take the picture of the priest, your name is on his clothing, on his shoulders as he appears before God. Your name is in Christ, represented before God. And that is a memorial perpetually in the presence of God, your name on the heart and on the shoulders of Jesus. Your name appears there. Forever as a memorial. He ever liveth to make intercession. So when the devil comes, Jesus is standing, then God looks over at Jesus, and there he sees Colin's name, you know, and he's going like, he's one of my children. And it's written on gemstones. In other words, he's a precious son. She is a precious daughter. It's on priceless gems. Come on, you should be getting something out of this. Amen. So number six, I want to just talk about very quickly. When the children of Israel were about to enter the promised land, God said, um, and now it was in flood, it was an uncrossable river. God always chooses his moments. I mean, when God wants to show you how much he cares and what he can do, he picks his moment. He picks it when it's the worst. And he says, will you trust me? So the river's in flood. Just like there was a sea between the Egyptians and them and to embark on the route to the promised land. Now when they get to the border of the promised land, there's more water. There's a flood, you know. And so Joshua's confident. And he says to the priest, you put the ark on your shoulders and it's going to be okay. You know, put your feet in the water. Because he already had an assurance from God when their feet touch the water. So listen, sometimes you've got to enter the flood. Is that Okay. Sometimes we try and find shortcuts and all ways around. So sometimes you need to get your feet wet. But God had already arranged it, and he said to uh, take one man from each tribe. And what happened was the priests and Levites, when their feet touched the water, the water from upstream a little way stopped flowing, and then this water washed down to the sea. And once again, they crossed on dry ground. What a miracle. And so when they went in, the priests were to stand in the bottom of the river, like this, and then all the tribes of Israel passed through and went on to the other side. And if I read it correctly, it seems like they put a memorial, a pile of memorial stones, twelve stones, in the bottom of the Jordan River, right where the priest stood, they built a pile. And then when they got out, they had to get another twelve stones. And the place where they crossed, which was opposite Gilgal, they built another memorial. And once they got out, the waters came back. Now but I'm just going to share something with you. This is going to be a revelation to you. This is for free. It's not included in your offering. If you would like to give extra, you're welcome. <laughs> Joking. But, um, so the waters came back. So in the middle of this river, the Jordan, stands a pile of stones to remind the Israelites where they're crossed. Do you know that that is the exact spot where John the Baptist was baptizing, when the scribes and Pharisees came, and he said, who warned you to flee the coming wrath? And pointing into the river at the pile of stones, he said, don't say that you children of Abraham, God can raise up from those stones, children for himself. Pointed to the memorial. That was for free. Wasn't that awesome? Nothing wasted in scriptures. powerful. At Gilgal, at Gilgal, God says, all right, now there's a whole generation of men that have not been circumcised. as a sign of the fact that you're in covenant and they were all circumcised. And God said through Joshua, because today I've rolled away the reproach of Egypt. I want to tell you when we come to communion God remembers our salvation God remembers us crossing into our promises so from two aspects number one what we haven't inherited what we haven't stepped into yet what hasn't been answered according to your prayers God still remembers because there's a memorial there number two God will roll away the reproach of Egypt. In other words, any memory, any sort of attachment of anything unrighteous or unholy, anything of bondage, because God said to them, I will roll away the reproach of Egypt. Remember, they were slaves. They were in captivity. There were stigmas attached and all of this kind of thing. And when we come into the presence of God, God says, I will roll away the reproach. And I will cause you to enter and inherit every single promise in Christ, which is yes and amen. Come on, church. When we come to take communion today, I want to tell you that God remembers when we remember. And God says, if you remember, I will remember, and this is what I will do. And so the last thing that I want to mention is that in Numbers 10, 9 and 10, God spoke about certain things that were to be convocations. In other words, the whole of Israel were to get together and that they would be memorials for all of eternity, that whenever they got together. But one of the things that he said, he said, when you celebrate this, I need you to sound the trumpet. Because when I hear the sound of the trumpet, you will be reminded of the fact that I defeated all your enemies. But if there are any enemies attacking you, I will defeat them. Is that okay, church? And so when we come to remember the communion this morning, it needs to be celebrative. Um, It needs to be joyous. So even though we do some heart searching, we remember his death, he immediately turns around and says, well, I want to remember your salvation. I want to remember your sickness and the fact that I have given healing for it. I want to remember your, you know, battles that you're going through, your insecurities. I want to remember those because I've paid the price for all of those. When you were baptized by the circumcision of the flesh, I cut away all reproach. Is that okay? And, you know, some of us were born holy and then we got saved and then, you know, we just entered into the kingdom holy. But there were some people, you guys were party dudes. I mean, you know, if you lived for the world, you really lived for the world, you know? And there's people who, You know, when they were sinning, they really sinned well. And sometimes there's stuff that visits, revisits from the past. And God says, no, I'll cut all of that off. I'll sanctify you. I'll cleanse you so that you can enter into the kingdom things. Amen? Amen. God says, I remember every act that you did. I remember every cent that you gave. I remember every prayer, every act of service inside of the church and outside of the church. It's here as a memorial for me. It's piled up before me. I can't help when I look around who to bless. I keep seeing the pile of stones here that you've erected for me. Yes. Amen. And that like Cornelius, it's come up before me as a memorial. Come on, church. Paul says it in Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 10. God is not unfaithful. God is just to remember everything you did as you serve him and the saints together. So this morning, we're going to take communion, and we're going to celebrate communion. We're going to remember what God has done for us. This is what I want you to do before you go. So it'll be while the music is playing, just remember the trumpets were blown, numbers nine, 10, and 10, that the trumpets were blowing. It was lively music to remember that God is our deliverer. Is that okay? And then I want you to ponder and meditate. Not only reflect on the cross for the past, but I want you to reflect on the cross for the rest of the year and for 2021. Is that okay? Whatever it is that you need, whatever change, whatever miracle, whatever healing, whatever prosperity, whatever breakthrough. I want you to meditate on that. Just remind yourself of what Jesus did, all right? Remind ourselves of what we're meditating. We're going to eat together. If you need a miracle, if you need healing, if you need financial breakthrough, if you need a job, it doesn't matter what it is. In the act of remembering, God remembers you. If you feel you're in warfare, sing louder because God will remember and He will defeat your enemies. Whatever it is that you want, in the process of remembering, you're. Referring back to a memorial that God will then remind himself of and act on your behalf. Okay, so I want to just tell you the conclusion of 2021. As we anticipate moving into 2022, I believe you shall see God acting powerfully on your behalf. Acting powerfully. He's a God we can trust. He's given us a memorial. We've built a memorial. This morning he's going to move. So let's eat the bread together. Let's take together. Remember, his body broken for us, wounded for us, that we might be made whole in every way. In Jesus' name, let's eat. this cup. I said is a new testament or new covenant in my blood and whenever we drink it we do it in remembrance of him that he's committed to us it's a memorial throughout generations to pass on the blessing to our children our children's children their children for a thousand generations so come on church let's drink the cup together his blood So, Father, we just seal this moment and this time to you. We're confident in you because of what you've said in your word and we've begun to understand your nature. You're a faithful God. And God, I anticipate testimonies coming out of this morning. You will do great things in Jesus' name. And what I want us to do, let's stand and close with this song and let's celebrate a holy convocation. I want you to see when we sing it, I want you to see angels on assignment marching out to fulfill those things that you remembered and expressed when we were meditating come on let's sing it together and we've closed hallelujah See you. You come. Let's just give him a big hand one more time. God's going to do great things. Great things. I declare over you breakthrough. I declare over you healing and health in the name of Jesus. I declare every blessing that um, addeth um, not sorrow, but maketh rich in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I declare progress in your Christian walk and in your life. I declare that God will add to you everything pertaining to both life and in the world, and to godliness, your life in the church. And now may the grace of God, the love of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you always. Forevermore love you. Blessed in Jesus' name.